Y'all, it is good to be with you tonight. Let me tell you, the summer here, depressing. Very, very depressing. It is just me wandering through the halls of this house, and it's sad. It's sad, sad, sad. So I am so excited that y'all are in the space tonight. So thank you for being here. Okay, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be reading several times out of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. So I'll go ahead and clue you in. That's where we're going to be. So go ahead and turn there if you can. This is what it says. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This passage from Matthew ends with these descriptive words, easy, ease, and light. Y'all have just finished week one of school at SMU. And would you describe your life right now as ease, ease filled and light? Would you describe the classes that you're about to embark on as filled with ease and light? Your schedules of activities, courses, social organizations, ease, light? How would you describe your life right now? Just think to yourself for a second. My guess is the words ease and light are not what is flashing through your brain. You know the number one thing I hear from students when I ask them how they are doing? What do you think? Tired? Yeah, for sure. Tired and busy. Oh, I'm good. I'm just busy. I'm tired because this week is crazy. I'm so busy. I am busy. I Sorry, I can't make it to the table because I'm so busy. Busy, busy, busy. This is something I hear all the time. It is week one, friends. And my guess is you already relate to this sediment. You all look, for the most part, pretty bright-eyed tonight. Um, but... I've been in student ministry for going on four years now, and so I'm gonna go ahead and predict the future. Come October, these eyes, dark circles, all up in your business. Some of you will fall asleep in one of the sermons, and maybe you relate to that already. This is not new though, right? This is not a surprise. For some of you, you have just gotten to college, you just graduated high school, and my guess is you probably kept yourself so busy trying to reach an academic or an athletic scholarship, you wanted to be on certain teams and get certain grades. You keep yourself busy because you needed to, right? When I started high school, I was a one-sport athlete. I played volleyball. By the time I graduated, I played three sports. When I started high school, I was just thinking about this idea of AP classes and dual credit classes. When I graduated, that was literally my entire schedule. There is this notion of being busy that will grant you success at what you're seeking, right? Some of you, you didn't graduate high school, but you did just get back from a summer internship. You actually chose to spend your whole summer 
working. Why? Why on earth did you do that? Well, because you want to graduate and get a good job, right? There is this notion that being busy creates success. Y'all just started school and you are already busy. And dare I say, it only gets worse. And yet, in the midst of your already busy life, your already really busy schedule, you are here at Wesley House on a Tuesday night. Why? I mean, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Why are you here? Just by you showing up tonight, I have a hunch about all of y'all in the room. Maybe you're here because you've heard that this is the place for free snacks, okay? Ryan Dales used to be you, so maybe that is you. Maybe you're here because you've heard that this is a place to get the coolest merch. I'm biased, I design it, but I think that's true. <laughs> maybe you're here because you want like-minded friendships. Maybe you're here because you were studying five seconds ago and now you're trapped. Vincent, hello. <laughs> I don't know why you are here, and maybe you don't. Maybe you don't know why you're sitting in the seat. But on a deeper level, I would like to guess that maybe you are here because throughout your lifetime of busyness, you have caught on to something. Maybe you've caught on that no matter how busy you are or how hard you work, there is always something more to be done. No matter how much you do, you can always think of something else that needs to be done, right? The wheel just keeps turning around and 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 you end up where? Tired, exhausted. I would like to think that you're here because on some deep level, whether you consciously recognize it or not, you know you are drawn to something more. There has got to be something more than this rat race that we are running all day long. And what we're talking about tonight, this life of rest, of ease, of lightness, does that actually exist? You've lived this long. Has that been your experience? Does it actually exist? Is it possible? Is there a different way to live? Jesus seems to think so. So the question then becomes, if there is this life, this way to experience rest of ease, of lightness, if that's out there, if that's possible, then where the heck did we go wrong? Where did we go wrong and how do we actually experience this life? This is a question, oh man, here we go, the journey of me hitting this thing that I'm recording on. So when you listen back later and it's just me thumping this all the time, my apologies. But this is a question that I have been personally wrestling and investigating for a long time now. 
I read this book over the summer. Some of you may have read this. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Excellent book, and it's a lot of what's guided this idea behind this new sermon series that we're going on. Because these questions of where we went wrong and how do we fix it, it's what I want to begin answering tonight through the scripture that we started with. I think Jesus in this verse is trying to call our attention to this very problem and offer a different way forward. I think that through this scripture, he provides the way to this life of ease that we desperately crave whether we know it or not. So I'm going to pray again for us, and we're going to dive into the scripture a little bit more. So if you'll pray with me. God, I just thank you so much for these students. I thank you for this ministry, Lord. I thank you for a space where we get to come and gather and dive into your words, Lord. I pray that this message that I've spent time preparing, that it would not just be my agenda, not just be my words, Lord, but your spirit would move through the words that you've already written. God, I pray that students would have ears to hear whatever message it is for them tonight. Lord, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, so if you haven't already, second time around, Matthew 11, chapter 28, Brody is actually going to read it to us this time, so you're not listening to me the whole time. Thank you, bro. Okay, if you've been in the ministry a while, you've heard me say this, or if you've heard anyone preach in this sphere, you have heard us all say this, that anytime we engage with this scripture right here, this book that was ancient, written by multiple authors over multiple contexts and multiple years, we must be good time travelers, friends, okay? It doesn't just come to us. We have to do the work, and lucky for you, per usual, I've done the work for you. So here is the context of this scripture that I think really brings to life what we're going after. In the New Testament, there are many times where Jesus is called rabbi. Rabbi, what is this word? This is a Hebrew term that meant master or great one. It's a title of respect that was given to teachers who interpreted the law, who interpreted the Torah, the Hebrew Bible, the first five books of scripture, which are filled with history and lineage and God's law. They were responsible for interpreting it and for teaching it. And so people would become disciples, followers of the rabbi, the teacher, because they wanted to learn everything that they knew, right? And a great rabbi would have this word smicha, okay? Am I saying that right? Ask Elizabeth. She is the Hebrew guru. This word meaning authority. They would have this authority, which would have been given to them through ordination of another rabbi who had been given authority, and these rabbis they were given the authority and job to interpret new laws, to read God's law and interpret a new meaning to it and apply it in a legal judgment way. And so they would pass along these new perceptions 
these new teachings in what's called a yoke. And we'll dive into what that means a little bit later. They would teach the yoke, their teachings, to their followers. So why would people want to follow a rabbi? Why would they give up their whole lives to follow in this teacher's footsteps? Well, because of what they believed the rabbi had to offer was something of value to them, right? And it was an honor to follow a rabbi in this time. There's this thing and saying that how people would follow their rabbi with such intensity and such closeness that the actual dust of the rabbi's footsteps would just be breathed in by these people. Like they were like gripping onto their teachers, right? Now this process in this time was becoming incredibly problematic. There were these other groups of people, these Pharisees and these Sadducees, these kind of high religious official groups. They would interpret God's law and they would create these burdensome, weary rules that did not add value to people's life, but instead created obligations for how people could experience God. And it was really weighing down on these people. It really only benefited the wealthy people at the time. It is in this context where you have Jesus, rabbi, saying, take upon my yoke. Learn from me. Take up my perfect interpretation of God's law. Learn from me. And all authority in heaven is given to Jesus, right? He is different than the other rabbis at this time. Why? He's different because the teachings, the yoke that he described is easy and light. It's something that would add value to the followers' lives. Typical, like I said, these yokes were like these harsh rules, these harsh obligations. And this wording of a yoke is kind of weird for us. And if you've heard this spoken about or preached on in Sunday mornings, you have most likely also heard of the farming analogy. I have not spared you. We're also including that here. So in ancient farming language, okay, this will make a picture of what the yoke also meant. If a farmer wanted to have a young animal, let's say an ox, plow the land, well, they wouldn't just release them wild to kind of figure it out. They would connect them to the stronger, older animal through a yoke, through a wooden piece of equipment that would connect the two of them. And so now as the older one moves, the younger one moves, and it's forced to mimic the movement of the older animal, right? And that is how it learned to do the job that was requested of it. This is a lot of context, right? Okay, what is the point that I'm making? Jesus is telling his followers, if they connect to him, wooden yoke mentality, if they connect to him, if they embrace his teachings and learn from him, then the burden, the weight placed on them is not a heavy one, but one of ease and lightness. So for us, people in this room who want to follow Jesus. Maybe you are at the very beginning of your faith journey or you've been in church for years and years and years or you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about right now. If you're someone who's curious and like wants to learn who this Jesus person is, 
We want to embrace his teachings, right? We want to learn from him. And yet the promise of the scripture that I'm reading, what does it promise? Rest, rest. Oh, wow, who said that? That is so right, yeah. <laughs> rest. Are you experiencing that? I mean, we all just said we were like way busy. So we are probably not experiencing rest. Ryan Dales was napping before this, so he can't say the same. But sorry, Ryan, I'm picking on you. <laughs> so either Jesus is a liar or we're doing something wrong. Now, I'm a pastor. If you didn't know that, my name's Haley. I'm the director here. And I've given my life and my career to believing that what Jesus is saying is true. So obviously, I don't think Jesus is a liar, which means we are doing something wrong. I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? We're going to go back, flashback to like forever ago when I was in high school. When I was a senior in high school, Lauren's like forever ago, <laughs> no. Um, when I was a senior in high school, I randomly decided as a senior that I wanted to try running track for the first time. Like what... I had in my head at the time, I don't know what I was thinking, but um, I wanted to try it. And naturally, as you come to know me, I'm very competitive. It doesn't really show up in like my pastor hat, but if you know me in the personal way, it will become very apparent. I'm competitive, I want to win, okay? And I got placed doing all sorts of events, but the very first one I ever did was called the Open 400. If you're track people, you know what this means. It's basically like sprinting around the whole track, okay? I remember the gun going off and I'm taking off and I'm running. I'm like, I'm so fast. I am just pushing myself as hard as I possibly could. And I would like to think I was sprinting at like mm, 30, 40 second pace. Um, track people, you're like, no, you weren't. But um, I was fast, okay? And I, I mean, I really was like winning. I was in the lead and I would look to the left, look to the right, which you're not supposed to do. And I didn't see anyone next to me. And then I rounded the third corner of the track and I saw the finish line like a hundred meters in front of me. And I wanted more than anything to run across that first place. And I am sprinting and sprinting and sprinting. And then tragically, my body fails me. My legs are slowing down and I can see, I mean, I am close to crossing and someone passes me. I appreciate the shock face that you just had. And another person passes me. And another, and another, and another. And you're like, how many people were racing? Everyone passed me. I was dead last. Dead last. What happened? I am swearing to you. I wanted to win more than anything. I had the mindset to win. And you know, Jesus does say that the last shall be first, but I will tell you that does not apply to track. I was dead last and I absolutely did not win. What happened? It's obvious, right? My pace that I was running was not sustainable. I could not possibly have sprinted that quickly around the whole track or I would be an Olympic athlete, which I'm not. My limits caught up to me and I did not have enough energy stored for when it truly mattered. Why am I telling you this? That's like a silly example, but this is our whole human experience, right? 
our entire life is experiencing this. As you come to know me, you'll hear me reference Genesis a lot. Um, I love it. It's my favorite book of the Bible. And in the very beginning, Adam, humanity, we are told that we are made in the image of God, which is so cool. We have this divine identity embedded in our core. We get to be these co-creators alongside God. But in that same part of scripture, Adam, humanity, we are also told we're what? dust. That's way less cool. We are not God. We are finite creatures. We have human limitations. This is where we've gone wrong, friends. We have forgotten our limitations and we have been doing it backwards for so long. We run ourselves too dry, too early, and then we don't have enough energy stored for when it actually matters your relationships, your friendships, your family, being a loving person to random people, having patience, kindness, compassion. We don't even have enough time and energy for our own selves. Hence the under eye bags that are coming for you in October. John Ortberg, this author and theologian you may or may not know, he said it this way. For most of us, the great danger is not that we renounce our faith. It's not that you just say faith eh, toss it to the side. No, the danger is that we become so distracted, so rushed, so preoccupied that we settle for a mediocre version of it, that we simply skim through life instead of actually living it. He said that hurry, this idea that we are all too comfortable with, it's not just that your schedule is disordered, it's that your heart is disordered. Jesus knew this. This is why what he's saying in Matthew chapter 11 is so important for us to understand. Because look, we are not any different than these ancient people. These people who were burdened by systems that were placed on them. We have become weary and burdened by our own systems of hustle, of busyness, of success, that we only end up exhausted. And yet the scripture speaks to us about something different. So how? How do we do this? How do we live into this different life that Jesus is offering? If you have your Bible, go back to the first three words of this verse. Come to me. Come to me. This simple invitation, this calling to just experience Jesus, to be in his presence. And the most remarkable thing is there is nothing you have to do, you only have to be. Abiding in who he is. And it is through then that we receive the promise of rest for our souls. Real rest. Imagine October. Close your eyes. Visualize October. Pumpkin spice lattes are all around. Bonfires, flannel everywhere on campus. It's disturbing. Imagine if in October you were not coming to me and when I say, hey, Maria, how's, you, how's your life? How are you doing? You don't say, oh my God, I'm so busy. I'm so exhausted. What if you said, you know what? 
I am filled with such immense peace. I am really restful. That would be actually insane, right? Like, that doesn't even seem attainable. I have spent so many years of my life running like I did when I first started track, sprinting at a pace that was not sustainable. I graduated high school, I went to college, and I couldn't just like exist in college. No, I had a triple major. I'd be president of all these things and be involved in a million organizations. I'd have an internship every freaking summer forever for the rest of my life. And then I graduate college. I couldn't just have one job. I'd have three. Why? I didn't need the money. Why did I have three jobs? Because I was bored and restless and I wanted to be successful. And my idea of success was only attainable through my level of busyness, right? The scary thing is, is you can actually go at this pace for a really long time. Like a really long time, you can do that and be totally fine. And eventually, there will come a day where you look up and you recognize that that pace is not at all leading you to where you actually want. It's not even leading you to who you want to actually be. Jesus has this very haunting question. What does it profit you to gain the whole world and lose your soul? There comes a moment when you see that what you crave is not success. It is rest for your soul. I reached this point about a year ago where I had this revelation, and I have truly found the rest that Jesus promises. It is real, I can promise you, it is possible to attain. But it's not easy. When I say the yoke of Jesus is easy and light, I don't actually mean easy, right? We know, for those of you who have been Christian for a long time, it is one of the hardest titles you can claim. It does not at all mean your life is easy. You will face hardship. This author of Hebrews, another passage of scripture in chapter 12, he says, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus knew better than any of us the feeling of being burdened. I mean, he quite literally took on the sins of the world. That is heavy. And yet Jesus is the one who is offering us this invitation of hope to draw near and experience rest. To be disciples of Jesus, we can't just agree with his teachings. We have to actually mimic his life, right? Unlike these young farm animals who were forced by a wooden yoke to mimic their strong animal partner, we have a choice. And this invitation has been extended to us. Jesus is God, yes, 
who once dwelled on earth and performed miracle after miracle after miracle. Yes. And Jesus was also a person, a real person with real routines and real rhythms. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be studying these rhythms. We're going to be learning how to mimic not only his teachings, but his actual lifestyle. I think where we've gone wrong is that we have focused too much on trying to embody the characteristics of Jesus while still going through life at this sprinting pace. I would argue that if you truly want to be like Jesus, you want the wisdom, you want the peace, you want the compassion, then you have to embrace the actual lifestyle of Jesus. Walter Adams, a spiritual mentor to C.S. Lewis, who you might know, he described the walk with Jesus as slow and an unhurried pace. Jesus did not run, friends. Find me a verse that says that, please. He didn't cut people off in traffic because he was so rushed to get somewhere. And yet Jesus was still successful, right? arguably one of the most profound people to be on this earth. We are still talking about him 2,000 years later. His success, though, was different than ours. Jesus lingered. He spent hours in prayer. He spent significant time alone. He had time to be interrupted. He rested. He showed up for people. He lived a simple, meaningful, connected life with other people, God the Father, and his own self. That is our rabbi. We want to be like Jesus. We aren't just seeking a life of good morals or a life that is easy or restful. We want to be like Jesus. The value of his yoke, of his teachings, go beyond just what he taught and sits in the invitation of actually knowing him. To do so, we need to follow his lifestyle, his rhythms and routines, so that way our lives start to look like our rabbis. I'll go ahead and invite the band back up, Selena and William. This is what we're like, friends, okay? I want you to imagine we are, we are at the pace of Jesus, right? Now imagine your life. Imagine your actual schedule. Imagine your classes, your organizations, the activities, the people that are needing your attention, and all of a sudden, this is Jesus, and this is you, lapping him like crazy. And yet we have this idea that we can just sprint by Jesus and say, Jesus, what, what was that about peace? What was that about kindness? What was that about loving our neighbor? Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm actually busy. I'm on to something. I'll catch you next time when I remember to spend time with you. How on earth would we know what Jesus is doing or saying or acting like when we are way over there and he is here? Walking at a really slow pace. And yet you are lapping him and expecting it to make sense. It won't make sense, I promise. Jesus is saying to you, hey, my beloved child, stop. Be still 
and just come to me. It's that simple. The rest will fall into place. My vision for this ministry is not that we get to the end of school year, a shell of ourselves and just literally collapsing into summer because that is the only option we have. I want y'all in this room and myself and the other staff to be vibrant and steady and peace filled now in this moment and when times of stress inevitably come our way i want us to have energy stored for what truly matters come to me all of you that are already burdened i will give you rest learn from me abide in me you will find rest for your souls so friends, this is the beginning, uh, beginning of our journey together, where we are following the way of Jesus. We want to emulate his characteristics and yet don't want to live like him. We want to look like our rabbi, but how can we expect to look like Jesus when we are not even close to living like him? There will be adjustments to your routines that you will be challenged to do in the next few weeks. There will be an alteration of your rhythms. But for tonight, just for this week, you have one task, okay? It's not like take home homework, but I hope this will help. I want you to repeat those three words that his invitation is, come to me. In moments of your already busy life, your already overpacked schedule, come to Jesus. There's a simple prayer that some of you may have heard before. Lord, give me eyes to see you. Give me ears to hear you. My challenge is that this week, that is your prayer. Every time you think, oh my God, I'm so stressed, pray that prayer. When you are running late, pray that. When you oversleep and sleep through your alarm and you are sprinting to class, pray that prayer. It doesn't have to be this perfect setting. Pray that prayer. Lord, give me eyes to see. Help me draw near to you because I desperately long for my life to feel different. And my hope is that at the end of this, we will see this invitation to a life of ease that my hope is by matching the pace of Jesus, we end up looking way more like our rabbi Jesus in May than we do right now. I'm really, really excited about the sermon series. I hope that you'll stick around to see the fruition of it. But I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna continue in a time of worship, okay? God, I just thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for these words.